0: We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network.
1: The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with TV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Hello again, Slurds. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is the 199th episode of the show. Uh, This episode just so happens to be a creator corner. The creator that I cornered on this episode just so happens to be the man Drew Zucker. If you're not familiar with Drew Zucker, you may recognize him from the hit sensation that has been and will be, continue on to be, Canto. Canto was amazing. I had uh the writer of that book, David Boer, on the show not too long ago. And uh yeah, I've had this episode anticipated for quite some time now, so I'm glad I gotta finally sit down and talk to Drew. So yeah, this is good times. The guy, he's a hero in himself, being an EMT out in New York City. We talk about all of that. We talk about his comings, up in the the comic book industry. His side of the story as to how he met David booer and so much more. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna dig all that. Uh, first, I got to tell you about uh, I, I got a little ad read here. You know, this wouldn't be a church to Comics podcast without me talking about Hooked on Comics. Hooked on Comics is a great way to get your books without having to go into any type of store while still supporting a small business, a local comic book store. So you can find Hooked on Comics, you can find their main shows on Tuesdays and Saturdays, Tuesdays at 6 Eastern, Saturdays at 7 Eastern. And um, yeah, and then they also do $5 bin shows in the afternoon as well. So. I personally, I have bought from them. I have received my books. They treat their books well. They treat their customers great, and uh, yeah, it's just great deals, man. Great deals. So I, I personally vouch for, for Hooked on Comics. So I urge you, to jump on in there, and uh, you probably find me in the 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 live chat as well. You just, just tell them Hooked on or Hooked on Comics. Tell Hooked on Comics the Cheers to Comics sent you in the chat. So um. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, without further ado, I bring to you the interview with the dynamic Drew Zucker. Alright, Drew Zucker, how are you, man?
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Better now that I'm talking to a creator. I feel like I've been shut out. The summer's weird. I'm not shaking hands and... And and Uh, people's booths right now throwing stickers at them. So this is how I'm getting my fix. So it's nice. I know
0: it's it's weird that uh, everyone's kind of like in this weird twilight zone for the next year until like the con circuit kicks back up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, strange times. You more than anybody are really in the shit of all of this. You've really experienced it because I mean. Um, you're, you're a creator, but you have a, a, like a real day job too. You don't just, you know, doodle amazing characters. You, uh, you save lives, man. And you are in New York. Um, you were sleeping in your car doing pages from what I understand.
0: Yeah, it it was a, uh, it was, it was a really rough couple of months there for us. We were all already pretty tired. Uh, but that just it it was it was something else it was it was not fun <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm talking to all these creators, and I'm really getting their take on what I'm calling the Corona effect right now. And I mean, I, you, your story is the one I've been anticipating the most because I mean, you are an EMT out there, and you you know you self quarantined yourself, and you're you're out there. You, you, I mean, I don't know when you have time to sleep. I I I don't understand how you're doing it, but I know that you're putting out quality work. I mean, I would imagine Canto Two is only going to be better than Canto One. You don't you know you don't take steps backwards.
0: No, it, it's definitely i I can safely say, I, I'm lucky that I have canto because not for nothing, it kept me. From just like completely falling apart. See, this is
1: this this, this this that means a lot to me, man. And see, this, yeah, this is what I try to prove with comics. It's not just a bunch of people in tights kicking and punching with superpowers, like people mm-hmm. grown ass men, uh, uh, real life heroes out there uh, keeping them sane, keeping them going yeah. to make them do what they continue to do what they do. Like that's what comics mean to this world. So that hearing that come from your mouth, that, that that really validates everything that I've been preaching for sure, man.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and not just that, it, it's it's having something else to do, not having to, to sit around and kind of stew in my thoughts when I came home. Yes. You know, because that's what everybody was like, you know, that was the worst part for everyone was, you know, when you're by yourself and the adrenaline stopped and you're sitting alone in your room and you you have a second to actually think about what went on. And it's just that that's when it gets bad. Right. Uh, the The day-to-day stuff is is shitty, but it, it's kind of what everyone signed up for, especially in the Bronx. We are generally a disaster on a good day. This was just like cool we're gonna throw a pandemic into the mix and uh. see what happens if we'll, we'll adapt and overcome like we do everything else but it it was the way I put it for people was that it it wasn't anything new for us. it was the sheer volume of it that just kind of and the fact that you know nothing we did was working for
1: people yeah. well well all that's going on meanwhile you're you're trying to create a legacy in this industry man you're trying to i mean see you don't you're not working for the big two so you don't have all you know disney money and at&t money back in your projects you're out there you got to do it all yourself not only do you guys have to draw it all but you have to find time to make sure that people know about it too yeah you know and it's, that's the hard thing about being an indie creator so it just goes to show that if you really want to do this business man you really have to love what the hell you're doing and believe in it
0: oh, oh yeah for sure um I've told people that this is... Because I I went to SCAD. I I don't know if you know SCAD. No, I'm not. Uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. Okay, cool. Um, I was actually at school with Trad Moore. (laughs) Uh, And Donnie was... Donnie Cates was there for a second. And then Donnie left for some reason. I can't remember. But I I, I was basically mentored by Tom Lyle, who created uh, Scarlet Spider. And then recently passed away. But we we had this running joke about the place that, you know, I graduated with 80 people in my class. And I think there are maybe four or five of us from my graduating class that are still working in the industry. And you knew it when you were there that if you aren't putting the time and if you aren't committed to what you're doing and believe that you are doing the best work in the world and it's good you know you're going to set the world on fire it's going to be the greatest thing ever I mean chances are it's not especially when you're at school you're going to do all that and make
1: no money you're going to do all that and make no money
0: (laughs) but you have to you have to buy into it you have to believe in it otherwise it's like this is not a get rich quick Scheme, <laughs> I promise. Mm-hmm. Anyone that told you overnight success was a real thing, go back ten years. There's usually about ten to eleven years of genuine hard work and sacrifice that's behind it.
1: That's right, that's right, man. Um, so before we get into uh, Canto and all that, I kind of want to take a step back. I want to know where comics really started with you in your life, man. Um, how 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 long have comics been a, a part of you? Are you a you know lifelong reader, or how did how did this work for you?
0: I, so I, I was always, I come from a artistic family, okay. and I was not a great reader, so comics were the happy middle ground for my parents. Um, I was not what I would say was a comic, like a, a regular comic fan growing okay. up. I had comics, I really loved comics. Um, the Dark Empire stuff that Dark Horse did with Star Wars, the Cam Kennedy stuff, mm-hmm. when I was young, like blew my mind. But I never was like a Wednesday warrior, and even as an adult, I was never a Wednesday warrior. It just it's not how I consume media. Gotcha. Um, so when I got to college, or when I got to my senior year of high school, and it looked like I was going to go to Scad. Uh, originally, I wanted to go for toy design, which was linked into the sequential department. But I figured we should probably dive back into comics. And that was with uh, Sin City. I found my way back in, and then I found uh, Ennis's Punisher Run, and got my whole world just mm. rocked and turned upside down. And from there, I've I've stuck around, and I try to read as much as I can. I'm behind on an excessive number of things. I am admittedly a trade waiter. You
1: have all the excuses to be behind, man. You're, I mean, you of all but, people, you're allowed to be behind.
0: It, I also, I find that my, my opinion and experience of comics tends to be a little more, uh, let's say, positive, because I don't get caught up in the monthly grind of it. Okay. Where, and I see it with TV shows, too, where when something comes out month to month, a bad issue can drag things out. But all of a sudden, bad issues don't feel, and pacing doesn't feel like nearly as much of a problem when you're reading it in in chunks. Yes. So it th- that's that's helped you know keep things a little more positive for me. No, I find but, that
1: quite often actually. There's times when I'm you know because I am a Wednesday warrior. You know, I come on with thirty mm-hmm. different books every week, and every once in a while, I'll pick up a book, and I'm like, I don't. I don't remember what happened two weeks ago in this you know and right. this is all, there's so much going on they should have done this a double size or whatever it may right. be and then that's right. that's kind of where my trade negotiation episode spawned from i was like i'm just mm-hmm. going to condense all this stuff and that, yeah. and
0: i i from my personal end i think it's so un like i understand the the need for a marvel and a dc to do that stuff They they have to fulfill their business obligations within the industry and within the company and all that stuff. But I personally find it to be unfair to people like you who are throwing down between four and six bucks for a book. And I think that's kind of insane that you didn't get enough out of it to feel like you remember what's going on or to even be like, I should just go back and refresh it. It's like, you know, it, I, I call it throwaway books. And every now and then, a gem pops out of the throwaways and just kind of takes off, and then it becomes a run, and right. that's what cements legacy. But unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that tends to sit in between there, and that that's where it's like... Alright, I, I really don't want to be stuck on the in-between. I, oh, no, I'd I'm, like to
1: do... I'm a masochist. I'm not denying that. I mean, I am a masochist. I have <laughs> runs and runs and runs and runs of comics where, yeah, it's uh, a lot of them were okay, yeah, no, just, we'll see what happens next week. I mean, I, uh, that's, that's the good thing about um comics though that i find if i'm not particularly interested in a story we have people like you to come in and sweep up man like that's that's where the artist comes in you at least give me something to look at you know i got a pretty cover yeah. out of it something and that's that's why i think comics really are the supreme cuz there's so many different ways that could really clean up what another where, where something else lacked so right. i mean that's that's oh, yeah, what no, keeps be... me going in it
0: it, for for me like i I'm lucky that all the writers I've worked with have been very conscious well let's put it this way. philip c. v is an artist on his own, in addition to being a writer, so he is very understanding and very uh he gives me a lot of room to work with when it comes to doing art. David required a little more education. On the best way to tell a story visually. Gotcha. And now that we've been through, you know, I, I'm working on issue two of Canto Two right now. Now that we've been together for two years doing this, and we're approaching, you know, ten issues almost, it's it, we have a really great, easy shorthand with one another. Right on. Especially when he writes scripts, he he knows what I can do, and he's very open about me making changes as necessary as long as i'm not restructuring things that will make problems down the road
1: gotcha gotcha and you know that's uh one of the many challenges you know artists have to face is you know the so many it's hard to find writers that work very similarly they all have their own way of going about things they have different levels of uh i mean just experience so yeah mm -hmm. man yeah
0: I've I've worked with all sorts of writers and those two are by far my favorite to uh to work with. And I'm lucky that I've at least been stuck with them for consecutive years on projects. And it's a good thing we all get along because otherwise this would be a slog.
1: Oh yeah, man. Uh yeah, see I, I there's no way I could... I think the projects that fail or turn out not so great, that's because the team, does, they're, they're just, I don't know, I, I feel like there's got to be some sort of unspoken roadblock that occurred in there somehow, and they're just like, oh, fuck it, let's just do this and get it yeah, done. Yeah,
0: David and I are, are extremely collaborative on this. I mean, the ending for Volume 2, uh, he came to me with an idea. I think he spent 10 minutes pitching it to me, and I sat there and was like, I don't think you want to do that like no <laughs> just just no mm. you know and we we ended up on the phone for an hour and a half working through what would become the ending if you and that for me is what I want out of my creative you know collaborations i'm not interested in just being the the gun for hire that that bores me i want to be involved in Crafting story, and you know, luckily, I have great collaborators that allow me to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to talk about uh, your your parts in um, uh, crafting Canto for sure. But I kind of want to, um, just for any aspiring creators out there, uh, I want you to talk about how you broke into the industry uh, mm-hmm. altogether. I mean, because Canto wasn't your first thing. I mean, this is the the thing that's really putting you on the map, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But uh, what what led to Canto?
0: um so i graduated in 2010 uh with a very traditional sense of the industry thanks to tom which was sample pages sample pages sample pages and i graduated and the economy tanked and after a week of being out i think i went to heroes con right after i graduated and i realized oh okay they don't want sample pages they want finished product. They want to see you complete a story. And that's kind of where I got started was I basically was driving around from show to show, going to every small publisher I could find with my portfolio and showing them it. And eventually that led me to uh Jeff McComsey and FUBAR, who were a uh a zombie uh war anthology. I stuck around with them for a couple of years and did work here and there. And eventually I got hooked up through one of these smaller publishers with uh, Mike Marisi, who has gone on to become, you know, big name all on his own. And we did did a pitch for a book called Skybreaker, which went to Monkey Brain and then uh, eventually was uh, published for print by IDW. All right. uh so, yeah yeah, yeah. From,
1: okay cool yeah i didn't i was gonna ask because i was you know snooping your page and i was looking at skybreaker i was looking at the art on there and i was kind of comparing it to Canto, i was like man like these are almost two completely different styles both awesome in their own way or do i find skybreaker so right on
0: skybreaker's a little tough to find now yeah. uh it, it had a very limited print run okay um the if i don't even know if it's on comiXology anymore hmm um yeah, it 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 was one of those things that we had hoped it would do well, but it just kind of, you know, came out and went. And after Skybreaker, I was I was very depressed because you, you know, you're like, yes, this is my chance, this is my chance, and it it just it went nowhere. There there was no work to be had, and admittedly when I go back and look at it, it just wasn't it wasn't up to par with what would get me in the door okay. with publishers. And that was a big thing that took me a while to figure out was you just have to kind of practice, practice, practice. It has to be done of your own accord. Nobody can give it to you. So uh, Philip Sevi and I had hooked up, I think maybe a year prior. And I had pitched him on the idea of doing the house he came back with a 12-page break, like single-space breakdown of the story, and I was like, "I okay, cool. I, I guess we're gonna do this." And that that took about seven years total to get that book done. Yeah. We basically, once Skybreaker finished, I think I had just read Lock and Key, and basically finished it and said, "That is the kind of story I want to tell." And then I realized I have that kind of story in the house. And we basically adopted the George Romero way of doing it. Okay, nobody's going to give us permission. Nobody's going to give us money. Uh, I guess we'll do it on our own. And that led us to Comixology Submit, which then, when it came time to do print, led us to Kickstarter. Uh, and through all of that is how David found me. And David came to me right as I was wrapping up the house I wasn't able to he wanted to do a short story i couldn't do it at the time uh and i had already designed uh canto a few years back it was a small sketch it was sitting in a drawer i had an idea of what to do with it but it was it it was very loose it was only a paragraph so when the time came for okay i don't really know what to do next here uh i went to david with it and I, i I actually need to get out of the habit of just sending random people my ideas with my sketches. Yeah, cause man. It's, it's a good thing David's like the nicest before. guy in
1: the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really lucked out on that end. Um, David, within a second, came back and was like, Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I love The Wizard of Oz. I, I love this idea. I love him, but we're doing it. And that kind of set off Canto. And we just, we both believed in it enough that we worked on it regardless of publisher so by the time idw came into it we had already we were already i think into issue two nice by the time they came on board so we we really that that's more or less my journey it's a lot of a lot of work a lot of start and stop and just eventually you find the right thing that just hit perfectly
1: well i i gotta know man what did that original paragraph say
0: so the original concept was um much darker and much more adult.
1: Bring it on, man.
0: And so it was basically Canta was just a, a tin man and the idea was he had to find his heart but it was structured more much more in the vein of Dante's Inferno. So he was going to jump down a well to go get it and each level that he encountered was meant to uh was meant to represent one quintessential emotion of the human experience. And then the level would be designed around that emotion. And then eventually he gets to his heart. And that was about as far as I got into it. And then I, I sent it to David and David just kinda, he found a way to make it more accessible and more mainstream in a way that did not require us to have a theology doctor. It turned
1: to, into a family book, man.
0: Yes, very much so, which I was always kind of my plan for it. My, my hope, I, we're both big believers that kids are much smarter than you give them credit for, and that they want to be scared. Now, obviously, I can't have Canto burying the axe into somebody's head and Pulling their spinal cords out. No,
1: but having a big giant Malarex creeping in the woods think, you know exactly. like that's that's scary to a kid. I mean
0: Right. I mean look look at what most kids grow up with. I mean, at least for me, I grew up on Ghostbusters, which I never should have been allowed to watch as young as I was. Um even Star Wars. Star Wars goes pretty dark at times. And most kids see that when they're pretty young. Uh, Never-ending story. Like we, we really went back to, to the stuff that we grew up with, and it, it has been the constant management between the two of us of riding that balance and knowing when we're in the right place. Because he's come to David's come to me before and been like, you know, I think this is too much, and I've had to tell him, you know, no, no, you leave it alone, don't touch it, it's fine. I promise, it will be great, and. You know, so far we we feel, we both feel like we've hit the mark. Uh, well, I'd agree that. with
1: that. I mean, I'm a I'm a big big supporter of this book. I mean, I've been championing it from the beginning, man. Ever since issue one, and uh, it was funny because um, when issue one came out, uh, the the FOCs were being put in, and um, the <clears throat> the shop owner of the LCS, you know, he knows what I do, so he comes to me. <laughs> You know, I, I'm, I've got my ear to the ground. I said, Canto, man, you watch. You watch. You watch what happens to Canto. And I was like, what the fuck is Canto? What is that? You're going to pitch a kid's book to me right now? Are you kidding me? And and he was eating his shoe <laughs> that, that, that Wednesday when every single one of those issues was sold out, despite the fact that they were all... I mean, I'm gonna, they were destroyed because there was printer problems. And they were still... Flying off the shelves, flying off the shelves. So uh, that yeah, is, no, the,
0: the, <laughs> we did that very much on purpose. Not not the damage. I, I promise. Uh, like
1: my my soul just dropped for a second. I was like, "How could you do that
0: yeah. to me?" <laughs> um, I, I I have had this thing about this industry that we are yes, we are a billion dollar industry. We are not a strong billion dollars. Oh no, so the weak yeah. billion dollars. And I would say that a huge a lot of this kind of got a spotlight on it with COVID. We designed Canto, you know, we've we've been accused of kind of pandering because it's like, oh, it's just an animated show, it's just a toy. And it's like, yes, it is that. It it was designed with that in mind. That was part of the challenge that we laid out for ourselves. The other end of it was to, whether shops want to or not, I'm going to give you a book that you can put on your shelves that will bring new readership in that adults can share with their kids and bond with them over and hopefully make them into fans themselves and will make you guys money. That is my goal here. Whether I have to do it with you kicking and screaming, that is my goal is to make you guys money. And it was, you know, my locals were were super supportive because they know me david's locals were really supportive the the greatest joy for us was watching it just totally blow up though and seeing that and we get messages from people all the time about you know how they get to do this with their son or their daughter we get pictures of their kids reading it, and it's like, this is like, exactly what we wanted for it.
1: And here and I like, am as a 32-year-old man enjoying it just the same, with no guilt, exactly. not thinking, oh, you know, I'm reading Dr. Seuss here and enjoying it. No, right. man, this is, because as an adult, I understand you know, the emotion on a different level. So it's... Right. Uh,
0: and it's, that was so much of what we shot for with it. And it's kind of, you know, it, it was sort of this desire to reclaim the all-ages mantle a little bit because so much of all ages is like it's just these books that kind of get farted out the writers for hire the the artist is for hire and they do they do the work they do it well but it all panders and it's like don't pander to them if you pander to them you won't get anything out of it and that was you know that that was the great joy for us when it took off and sold out as many times as it did. Um, and plus, these shops get to make money. Mm-hmm. I, I know I know what their margins look like. Most of them are not not great unless you're midtown.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're 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 right about that. Most of them aren't. I mean, uh, my my LCS just so happens to be the largest in the world. It's Mile High Comics. So okay. I mean yeah uh it's even then you know new book margins are are not really great anywhere it's a that's a scary scary part of the industry right now
0: Uh, oh yeah for sure it it definitely when we saw what the numbers were we were like our jaws just hit the floor because it was like we we managed to just somehow pull this one out and it It went from, you know, this little obscure, no-name property with two relatively unknown creators just somehow snuck its way in. Uh, But I always got told at school that everything works in cycles. So The Walking Dead hits and is a huge success. Well, after that, you have 8,000 zombie books. Mm -hmm. So we did specifically look within the industry at what was missing at the time. And we saw all-ages fantasy was missing. And we decided this is a good area to hit in. It just so happens that right after us comes Folklore's Once in Future, a whole bunch of other fantasy books came after. But the fact that we were able to beat everybody to the, out the gate, I think really helped us out.
1: Well, uh, Once in Future, I wouldn't consider an all-ages fantasy book. Oh no, no, um, no! Not uh, and uh, Folklords, I wouldn't consider—I uh, mean, really directed towards most adults because I kind of mm-hmm. looked at that one and thought, mm, "No, not, not i don't, not mature enough for me." Mm-hmm. Canto still reigns supreme on balancing that line, man. It really is the best all-ages book out there right now. I'm so excited to see where you guys take it with uh, with volume two. Now, do, uh, I. I I know that you originally said you wanted to go the seven layers or the, yeah, the mm-hmm. seven levels. Um, I mean, are we going to get seven volumes of Canto? Is this, uh, I mean, is this how I'm we're, seeing we're this?
0: Working out no, we're working out final numbers now. Okay. Um, we're, we're in the, pro- we have to see kind of what the landscape of the industry looks like after all this. We need to see what our numbers look like, but we're, we, we do have a plan of where we're going. Cool with it, how many volumes, and what else we plan to do with this world beyond just can
1: Right on, right on, because you really are, you know, birthing a lot of uh, really cool stuff that I can't wait, you know, to see called back, you know, get called back to, you know, I mean, there's there's so many great things. Uh, the, the the Nameless Warrior, I, I, of course, I don't remember her name, because they say it one time at the very end. Mm-hmm. I have the book right in front of me, but uh, I'm not going to. Laura. What, what what is it? Allura. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, I mean I gotta know everything. I gotta. I mean, there's. I, uh, yeah, you 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 planted a lot of seeds, is my point. So. I, right,
0: and like I can tell you, volume two is dense. Like I, I I've gone back and reread volume one, and was like, I really like it, but it is very straightforward, and a lot of our world building is done in the background, and with just kind of small details that we throw out there these issues are much more dense in terms of how much stuff we're uh not only introducing the paying off and what's coming back what isn't and it it's it feels like a natural evolution from where we started, which has been a lot of fun.
1: Right on, man, right on. And I, I can imagine that that feeling of evolution, that constant feeling of evolution is just the, the satisfaction to, to make sure that this book continues on, man.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just, I look at the art from from the first volume into what we've already done for volume two. And it's like, it, it is heads and shoulders above what i was doing the, even even a year ago
1: see that's insane to hear because uh i, I re- this is some of the best art out there because it's so uh, stylized man it's not uh i i'm trying i have to ask you know wh- who influences you because i can't find any influences in there i really can't it's uh, uh yeah tell me I, I,
0: have a, I have a lot um it, it's strange though because i've Even if you go back to when I was like a freshman in college and my drawings are just atrocious, you can always tell it's me drawing. You can always tell. I I don't know why. I don't know how. But the style always slid through. And even as I've gotten better over the years, I still see it. I can see it when I look at Canto next to the house. If I were to go back and redraw the house now it'd be totally different it'd be a thousand times better but it would you would still be able to see that it's the same person or at least get that you know that instinctive uh sense of that um as far as influences go uh I love Jeff Darrow uh Greg Capullo uh I look at a lot of uh Don Bluth from animation uh, who else is there? Glenn Keane, who was an animator for Disney. See, for that years. is
1: one thing that I will say. Um, is it does feel like it's ready to be animated, like it's 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 just like a super fleshy storyboard. <laughs> like it's it, this is yeah.
0: I, it, that that also just kind of comes from my my sensibilities of where I get my storytelling from. I would say I'm probably much more influenced in the way I. I visually tell stories from film than I am necessarily from comics.
1: Well, and I I, I totally get that, because, I mean, on still pages, I could still sense motion within your art. You Mm -hmm. do a really good job of, you know, still depicting motion. Um, And also, emotion on a faceless character. Um, So I kind of want to talk about the design of Canto a little bit. You know, you said this is just a little guy that's been sitting in a drawer for a little while. Um I, I, I tell how did this guy I mean the, the first doodle the first sketch I got to know what was going through your head man
0: Um I was doing I was it was with CV actually Uh CV was hosting a basically artist blog where once a week we would get given a topic everybody does a drawing throws it up and then it just kind of gets shot out to the masses and I think for that week, I was like, I, I don't really want to draw this. <laughs> so I ended up just going, uh, let, me, let me see if I can draw something you know, totally out of the box of anything I've ever done. And I think it, like uh, Scotty Young's Oz book was big at the time. Okay. So I was like, let me see if I can do something along those lines. And I ended up with the original design for Canto which was much more detailed, not nearly as emotive, but the basics of what he was, was in the original drawing. He was super steampunked out originally, like to the point of, I could not draw a book with this character. Uh, So when David came on, he really emphasized with me that we, we find a way to simplify him and make him a little bit... Uh, a little cuter and less scary. I was like, alright, I, I I agree with that. <clears throat> and then from there, he, he only went through really one more redesign after that. Because I kind of... I went a little too far with it originally. Uh, into the cutesy realm. Okay. And it just wasn't working for me. And then when I went back and just was... I think at one point I was trying to adjust my style to make it feel feel more cartoonish than what I was doing. Well,
1: you drew a little badass is what it is. I mean, it's, I mean, he's yeah. badass, but at the same time, it's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, we,
0: we, we found this really happy little medium with it. Cause yeah. the best thing I did was abandon altogether, changing my style. I was, I think I did a page like it. It was like, I'm, I'm not enjoying doing this. So, you know, just go do it how you know how to do it. And from there, you see it evolve a little bit through issue one, but then by issue two, I've kind of got it figured out, gotcha. and it's pretty consistent from there on.
1: Did you always picture him with an axe, or did he have something else at some other time? Oh no, he,
0: he has an axe. In that first drawing, he has an axe. Right on, man. He, he, he always had an axe.
1: That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. See, I, I, I have to compliment you a million times on Canto's character design because I gave I don't wanna use the term gave up on art, but I put art on a back burner so I could just start talking about other artists that were better than me instead. Um so, uh, but out of nowhere, man, I just decided to, I was just I just picked up the trade and I decided to pick up a sketchbook and the thing that went down was a little canto doodle. So I mean it was it's just so cool that what's that?
0: That makes me so happy.
1: Well, no, dude, it, it's... Uh, uh, Canto, I mean, it's uh, it brought it back. And the only reason why I didn't finish it is because my fucking scanner broke. I need to scan it in now so I could put all the... Uh, yeah, I started doing a little Malarex and all that shit. Malarex. Dude, Malarex. Let's talk about the design on the Malarex because that, that that's... Canto's not easy to draw. Um, the Malarex, I don't know what the Malarex is, so I have no ref point of reference to go off of. I mean
0: combination between a gorilla and a bear
1: that's fucking metal dude that's so cool <laughs> like,
0: i'm not even kidding it does the actual and anatomical breakdown of it is the back legs are based around um a bear's body so they're big in the back um now he's basically got like jaguar legs in the back and the entire front chest area is a gorilla
1: uh all right. All right. That's good. All right. I might have a little bit of reference to go off of now when I go to. <laughs> so he,
0: the, the Malarex is actually the, probably the largest design element in the book. My sketchbook is like watching an actual evolution from like a guppy mm-hmm. to the current version of it. Because he went through so many different forms trying to find what worked at one point. He was actually, he was smaller than Kanto at one point. He was meant to very much be Toto. Really? And then I i think we – I did the first issue. No, I was in the middle of the first issue, and I got to that point where they show up. And I remember telling David, like, I i don't think this works. And I ended up doing – one because we had locked the design. I ended up doing one more round of redesign and just – was i sent it to him and he was like i love it it's perfect and i think what sold him on it was i did a sketch of the Malorex standing there looking down at canto like in proportion with each other and then kind of with question marks over their heads looking at each other
1: that's uh, that's all because that's kind of the little doodle that i'm working on right now it's the same type of thing that's <laughs> funny that you say that oh man i, I need to get the scanner working god damn it i'm so pumped it, again it, talking to you about it
0: it's very much evolved out of Calvin and Hobbes. I I
1: can I can kind of get a, a a feel from that. I I, I can yeah. I, I do I oh, man it's <laughs> I love this I mean, this this is
0: I, I love Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes was was probably the thing I read the most growing up. I,
1: uh, man, I some of the best stuff comes from uh, that that man's influence. Bill Watterson I, in, influence. It's, it's
0: Bill Bill Watterson is is just. He's incredible, yeah. and he, you know, respect to him. He didn't need to sell his product out. You know, mm. he he sat there. He was offered millions and millions of dollars to do it, and he just sat there and went, "Why? Why would I want to sully, you know, what I've created?" And it, it's incredible.
1: It's it really is. It really is. It's good to know that his uh, his legacy is still continuing on. Because I mean, Kanto's here. Kanto's here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you say, you know, obviously a big, um, Wizard of Oz influence in this and a big Dante in- influence in this. Um, mm-hmm. are these just, were these just, um, you know, forms of media that stuck with you as a kid or was it something that you've always, you know, just wanted to, to put your stamp on in some way?
0: No, not necessarily. So I got introduced to Dante in college. Okay. Um, and you know, it, it's more that I really, I love the basic structure of it, from the seven layer levels, and you know that Dante has this guide through everything and the imagery in it. <clears throat> and then Wizard of Oz, I mean, part of that evolved out of. I, I'll be totally honest; it evolved out of the fact that it's public domain, and I knew whatever I did with it, I couldn't. You know, get sued over it gotcha. down the road. It it just so happens that David is the world's biggest Wizard of Oz fan.
1: Ah, okay, cool. Um, All right, David.
0: David incredibly owns a first printing of Wizard of Oz from 1901.
1: Jesus, man.
0: Yeah, that he got at his local library.
1: That's it, a f- it's
0: a good story. You should ask him about it if you talk to him. Yeah,
1: well, I'm definitely gonna have him on again, and I would imagine you as well at some point or another after Canto Two's on and popping man so yeah no that's a story i'm definitely gonna have to get out of them for sure
0: um but yeah the the wizard of oz from my end was very surface of that it was the influence for the tin man okay and and that was about it uh once we got rolling on things i started to implement visual stuff so in volume one you'll see the yellow brick road is everywhere and my idea for it was that if you treat it like how Rome was, if uh, the city of Dis is Rome, the yellow brick road takes you all throughout the rest of this world. But as you get further away from Dis, the road is less upkept and eventually just becomes dirt.
1: Got it. Man. Um,
0: it, it was stuff like that that I let kind of influence what we were doing. But David David put his, his Oz influences all over the place on it
1: all right that's definitely something i really want to dig into more for sure that's uh that's interesting i i mean i obviously caught the wizard of oz references in there but um <laughs> i didn't know that it, it it stemmed from such a i mean wow the, the first print okay yeah no that's that's a david that's a david conversation
0: that, 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 yeah yeah that, that's a huge part of what got him on board and why he connected immediately with kanto was like he was like i'm I'm the world's biggest Wizard of Oz fan and I've been waiting for this forever and it's like perfect. Have added it, boss. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well that's here we are, man. And of course yep. titled perfectly with If I Only Had a Heart on that uh on that first Yeah, line.
0: that wasn't the original uh the original title. I think he came up with that when it came time to do the trade and I was like that that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, you're, obviously we're going on and on about your art, but we can't not talk about Vittorio. Mm-hmm. How do you meet Mr. Stone?
0: Uh, I don't know if you know who Tim Daniel is.
1: Uh, the name rings a bell, I can't put a, <laughs> I can't put a, uh, a, a name to, or a project to it, though.
0: Tim is a writer slash designer. He's done a lot of horror books with Mike Morisi. Okay. And... Uh he is now in charge of design over at Vault. All right. Um Tim is basically the greatest designer, like cover designer, you know, book designer in the industry, bar none. We tried to hire Tim for like one for one job out of Vault to do to do Canto. We couldn't make it happen, but that's how good he is. Tim and Mike had a um had a Star Wars anthology that they were doing for, like, two years, I think, <clears throat> that they they got a bunch of people together. Everyone just kind of worked for free, and we put it out into the world, and because it was free, you know, hopefully Disney didn't sue us. So I, my story was with Tim, and Tim brought Vittorio on. And Vittario's colors just... Knocked my socks off uh, dude, when I saw. He's got him.
1: an amazing color palette he, in this book. He
0: is incredible. So when it came time for this, <clears throat> I was like, "Well, who do I know that's good and I don't have to babysit?" And I thought of Vittorio, and his his rate was perfect for us. And I mean, it, his work speaks for itself. Yeah. You would be amazed at how how few notes we have to give him uh,
1: it, it really just it, it just it fits the the pencils and the ink so well man it fits the flow of the story and it, it's it, it really is perfect so I had to make sure I did compliment uh Vittorio on here and I I, yeah, I gotta know I mean I had to know how you met this guy so yeah,
0: just, no it, both Vittorio and Darren are just like top-notch um the the thing I really like love and respect about both of them is that They're they're storytellers in their own right. So Vittorio genuinely tells a story with the colors that he's using. We may direct him on what to use sometimes or adjust things, but there's so much he brings to the table when it comes time to to color these pages. And as far as Darren goes, he, he takes the lettering to a totally different level. Their panels, some of my favorite panels in Volume One, became my favorite panels be- because of how daring letters them.
1: Yeah, um, the <laughs> it, it really is. It's 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 so smooth. It flows so well. Um, it's it's not a it's not cookie cutter text. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a, it's a nice font. It, it it suits the timeline well, and it brings you back. It makes you feel like, yep. well, this isn't going on in twenty twenty right now. That's for sure.
0: Right. So. No, for sure. And, and you know, I I think that's kind of my favorite thing about it is that we you you always hope it's gonna fe- you're gonna hit what you're trying to do, and we wanted it to feel timeless, and I think that we've pulled it off.
1: Oh, yeah, you nailed it.
0: It it helps that there are no cell phones.
1: Yeah, well, um, I I think uh, I I did a little um uh, article for Outright Geekery, and in there I said uh Canto is a character that will forever stand the test of time. And I mean, I, I stand by that. I really do. I mean, it's it, it he's it just it just works, man. It just works. He'll, he's gonna live on we're, forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're we're for as well as we've done, we we've been very aware that you know, ten thousand copies is a great hit in comics, but we're also aware that we're still kind of small potatoes. But the fans that we have are super loyal. And what's been nice about this is that we have, even once the series wrapped up with volume one, it has continued to grow. At least that's how it's felt to us. So all we're really interested in now is how do we cultivate the fan base and keep growing it as time goes on and buck the trend that tends to follow other books, which is as time goes on, your core readership stays, but new readers don't really come in we're trying to find ways to get around that because we want people to get involved with this character we we believe in it we think it's worthwhile especially given how the world is right now uh, and that's really our hope is that we'll continue to bring people in uh from all age demographics,
1: and uh, and the, all we have to do is just keep buying this book. Because as, as soon as you know, the more people to buy this book, the more merchandising opportunities are going to kick mm-hmm. in, and then that's that's when we really, you know, that that's when cancel really takes the world by storm. You know, that's that's when Twitter's clamoring for right. you know a, a Nickelodeon whatever or whatever it may be. Um, it, but. We, we have to buy this book. That's that's the thing. I mean, we, that,
0: that's what it comes down to. And that, that's what we've told people is, you know, David and I are using whatever popularity we have right now to the best of our ability, uh, either through getting more press and eyes on it or, you know, getting what merchandise we can rolling. But ultimately, what provides us leverage is that the book is popular and that's our hope because we we have so many things that we want to do with the character we have we want to be able to tell the entire story and then come back to the world and do more and you know like you said the more there's an appetite for it the easier it is for us to justify that and to be able to convince the powers that be to you know not only let us do it but back us up on it
1: yes yes and you know it's it's hard enough to do it on your own, man. It, we it doesn't. There's no 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 shame in getting some backing from some, you know, people with the means to do so. So exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, what's what's the first piece of merchandise you can't wait to see out on the market?
0: Uh the first piece that's actually coming, or the one that I want.
1: Oh, there's a piece actually coming.
0: Uh we are gonna have uh, enamel pens. Oh, nice,
1: some... nice, man. Um,
0: That's that's step one. We're in the process of working through some other stuff. Uh, We have uh, guys that we're working with. It's obviously supply chains are a little disrupted, but we're we're in the process of doing it. We've had numerous conversations with different uh, with different people about stuff. So it's in the process. It is slowed down because of everything going on. But we do have stuff planned as far as what i want well yes in a perfect world i would love to see canto as a hot toy but that's my own selfish desire
1: dude no there's that's shoot for the stars man shoot for the stars yeah. the, 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 it, i don't see anything wrong with that why why the fuck not canto deserves mm-hmm. it just as much as anything else man just as <laughs> much as anything else cuz this character and i mean he 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 will live on as long as you guys use guys, Jesus, as long as you guys keep making this making this book, people will buy it, people will buy it and i and, mean i'm I'm there every Wednesday and I have the trade I mean, I could read this book on both sides of my room <laughs> I mean <laughs> it,
0: like to that end
1: like David and I are just like
0: we're we're so grateful for it because we've both been on the other end of um of you know putting everything into a book and it goes nowhere and we both have friends who are who we've watched put everything into their books and the books don't sell as well as they'd like we, we know that we are the rare one in a million that <clears throat> through a very natural and grassroots you know evolution sold out of our number one just kind of took over comics Twitter for a day and the book just continued to steamroll from there.
1: Well, I'm glad that you recognize that this is not, you know, a, a, a given. That's for sure. It's Oh yeah,
0: no. I I think Dave, I think David and I having failures under our belt has not only made us very cautious of the success we have, but made us extremely grateful for right on, it. Man. We we on we are we both take it seriously that people are looking, that people are gonna give us their hard earned money to read this thing the least we can do is give them something that is worth that money and worth their time uh and you know it's it's why every day i'm not at work is a 14-hour work day you know and drawing these endless details and backgrounds it's it's because we both believe that that's what people deserve and especially if they're gonna come on board with us and support us uh doing this you know it's the least we can do
1: hell yeah man hell yeah well, I know you're a very busy man, but i just got a, a few more quick questions for you. I like to do a little rapid fire. Um, honestly, I like you to put as little thought into these questions as possible, just to sure. just to kind of get some off the head, off the top of the head type of answers. A lot of them are kind of white bread, but at the same time, I feel like they are kind of vital as to really um, uh, dissecting, uh, uh, you know, a, a person's uh, mindset in this industry. So, sure. ready when you are, man. You good? Let's do it. let's do this. Um, your favorite single issue of com- single issue of a comic you've ever read. Your t- what twenty two page story?
0: Batman number five from Court of Owls.
1: Nice. That's you, you knew that answer. You didn't have to think about uh, it
0: because I was sitting on the train reading it, going, "What the? Is there a print? Oh my god! I see what he did."
1: That's awesome, man. That's Snyder. Come on, guys. Come on.
0: That, that Court of Owls just like. I think I've read it like eight or nine times. It's so good.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I just recently came across a number one from that series. And, uh, yeah, um, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to have my own little copy. It is such a uh,
0: um I'm lucky to have one that's signed by both of them.
1: Oh, that's amazing, man. It, it was the
0: one I actually bought the week it came out, and I, I saw them at Baltimore one year and was like, I'm going to stand online for this one.
1: That's, that's awesome. See, you're a creator, and you do it too, man. You love this just as much as the oh, rest yeah. of us, man. That's awesome. Um, who's, the, uh, who's your favorite hero in comics? Doesn't have to be a superhero. Just your favorite hero. Uh...
0: God, I'm blanking on his name. I'm such a jerk for doing it. Why the last man? All Ampersand. Right.
1: right on. The monkey.
0: I love the monkey in Why the Last Man.
1: That is a fucking badass answer. I respect that answer so much. Um, I,
0: I love him.
1: <laughs> that's, that's That's great. Um, no, I'm I'm gonna replace the word favorite with best in this one because you know some people get up in arms when I say who's your favorite villain and oh you shouldn't you know, blah blah blah. So who's the best villain in comics? Who's the one that draws draws you in the most?
0: Oh, I did such a lame answer. Uh, Joker.
1: All right. No, that's not a lame answer because it's the, that just proves you know Joker is is as good as ever, you know people say he is.
0: When they when he is written right, yep. it is just. it it works it works so it's so stupidly simple
1: but he's terrifying if he's written right he's always terrifying and that is what a fucking villain should be
0: yep and there there are variations of it too which are cool like i love that because i don't have to love all of them like jack nicholson love heath ledger I would really like to forget Jared Leto. Yeah.
1: Well, 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 that's easy to do. <laughs> easy. All we need is... Yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully, I think Joaquin's kind of washing all that out right now.
0: He, he, yeah, very much yeah.
1: so. Um, so uh, what was the last comic you read?
0: Uh, I actually reread Nailbiters number one nice. last night.
1: You getting ready for uh, volume two coming out here soon? Yeah. Right
0: I, 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 I've... I've always really loved Nailbiters, um, and I love that team, when, because they were they were at Monkey Brain right before I was doing uh, Masks and Mobsters, wow. which was like a superhero uh, 1950s anthology thing, and that very much carried over to Nailbiters, and Nailbiters is just, it's, it's cool comics, it's a great horror story.
1: Right on, man. Right on. See, that's what I'm going to have to visit. Um, see, uh, Joshua Williamson's always hit or miss with me. Like, I, 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 He writes Flash, but it's, I just don't like Flash, so it's hard for yeah. me you know. to... But he goes and writes yeah. Batman Superman, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Right. So I'm going to have to check right. out his indie stuff.
0: Nailbiters is where you probably see him at his most comfortable.
1: Right on. Cool.
0: At um, least to me. It, it really, you can tell... This is something that he had on his mind that he really wanted to tell. And it, it's, a, it's a cool story, especially if you're a true crime guy. Because right. it falls very much into that. You know, it's obviously exaggerated and not real, but it kind of falls into that,
1: that category. It better be it's comics, man. It better be it's unreal and as ex- ex- exaggerated as he can go. <laughs> All right, cool. I-, I love a good recommendation. Um, now, uh, who's, who's, the, who's your favorite Wizard of Oz character?
0: I, I love the Tin Man. The Tin Man. Do. dope. I, I do. I, I loved him when I was little because I was like, he's awesome. He has an axe.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, he, he was, that was always my favorite part. You know, it was, it was his little intro. It was, it was the best.
0: I, I yeah, I, I really, I like him. Uh, I like him in the Scarecrow.
1: Yeah. Oh, Scarecrow is just, yeah. <laughs> Scarecrow's perfect.
0: Especially after reading, um, like, especially the way, like, Scotty Young did that stuff with them i don't know if you've read uh his oz book that he did no i did not it it's it's worth going back and finding all
1: right i have Uh, it written down here
0: yeah it's uh and they cover they cover wizard of oz return to oz they cover a bunch of stuff it's really cool
1: cool man right on right on well, Drew, this is this has been awesome. Um, I, you know, I, I have other questions here, but I think I'm going to save them for the next time we talk. I'm confident that Volume 2 is going to be a thing. Um, uh, I mean, you said yourself you're working on Issue 2 right now. So uh, when, is, when should we, I mean, do we have an expectation on Issue 1? Or, I mean, I guess Issue, it would be Issue 7 now, right? Is that oh, how we're going to, are, are you? I have dates. I have dates for everything. Oh, good! You do have dates because right now nobody knows what what's happening anywhere. So this is no. We uh,
0: we got official confirmation from uh, Diamond actually and previews uh, like three days ago.
1: Oh, good. Okay, cool. So when can we expect it?
0: So Clockwork Fairies is going to FOC on June 22nd. So there's still time if your retailer is opening up uh, or if they're doing curbside. They're all still pre-ordering, so call them up. Let them know that you want it. Uh, on sale date for Clockwork Fairies will be July eighth.
1: Nice, man. That's right around the corner. I could. I, then, I was. I was still so hoping you were gonna be like, yeah, September, October. No,
0: we. They. Uh, IDW is eager to get us back out. They should be. I mean,
1: uh, you guys have an amazing property. I mean, it's this it's is a cash cow.
0: Well, especially because we were slated for July anyways. So oh, good. Like, um, it, issue 1 for Canto 2 was supposed to be July.
1: Awesome. Uh, and
0: then everything got pushed. But Canto 2, number 1, will be out August 28th. Tweet. I'm not 100% sure on the FOC date for it, but it will be in June previews.
1: Right on, man. Right on. Um, yeah, no, I'm... Uh, I'm gonna leave you with that. I am. I. I do. I have another half a page of questions here, but I know you're a busy man. It's uh, technically a holiday. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna let you be. I'm gonna let you enjoy your day, my I, friend.
0: I. I will. I will definitely be back on. I'll probably bring David with me. Sounds good. Watch me and him bicker like an old couple.
1: Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you, Drew. Um, uh, yeah, you take care and be safe out there. Yes, you do the same. Cheers. Boom. There you have it. Another interview in the books. Another creator has been cornered. Drew Zucker's the man. That's all I'm going to say. Drew Zucker is the shit. I really hope you got something out of that. As a young creator, he had some sound advice. No doubt about all that. Um, and like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, and we talked a lot about it, um, within the interview, the dude is a hero in himself. You know, he's out there. Uh wor- essential workers, saving lives. And he's in the fucking epicenter of it all in New York. And then creating comics when he's not saving lives. What a guy, man. What a guy. So uh, I urge you to go out and if you haven't already read Canto, go pick up Canto. And then make sure you pre-order uh, Clockwork Fairies. Fucking volume two. Should be great. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. I look forward to talking to him again. I look, you know, I I hope he's right. I hope we can bring uh him and uh, he and David on the show at the same time. Now that we, you know, talk to them both. It won't be as uh, yeah. Anyway, I uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. I gotta urge you to head on over to Patreon.com/slash Cheers to Comics. As always, support the show that way for as little as a dollar. And you'll see for yourself all the tears. I'm not going to ram down. ram down? Ram that down your throat right now. (laughs) Uh, But I I do urge you. Cheers to comics.com. Or, I'm sorry. (laughs) Patreon.com slash cheers to comics. My brain's a little jumbly right now. I do apologize. And then uh, make sure you leave five-star reviews anywhere you can. Your review could be featured on this podcast during one of the overview episodes. Uh, I've definitely had some awesome reviews coming in, so it won't be long before I start reading off some of the new ones and showing my appreciation to the people that have taken the time to appreciate this show. So if you want your your name heard by tens of people, then... (laughs) 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 Kidding. It's more—it's uh, closer to dozens. <laughs> 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 Kidding. Um, yeah. Then yeah, leave a review, and I'll hear your name on the show. Also, uh, head on over to the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. That is a thing. Uh, we're, we're, we're growing immensely. I'm very proud of the growth of that group. I'm proud of the contribution that other, other people are bringing in. I post all types of great au- auction content, only quality stuff. I do, I do monitor it. I do filter it. If there's stuff that I don't feel that I would personally buy from, then I, I take down those, those feeds. That's just, that's just how I roll. I'm all about, I'm all about quality. So, uh, and that and just other great comic book content as well, you know, you get in tuned with the show, you know, and kind of get ideas of who might be coming up on the show. We do, uh, um, just kind of like group discussions, I guess, you know, I'll throw up a random comic book question. And we just kind of chat about it. So, and all those answers, once again, shared out on the, uh, on the, the weekly overviews. So. Oh, plenty of reasons to hop on the the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. As always, follow Cheers to Comics, add Cheers to Comics on Twitter, and then the Cheers to Comics podcast on Instagram, and all that other good social media stuff. Uh, I'm Brian Wayne. You slurds read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. It's Gaming Arena coming
0: soon. Video games were all in the
1: beginning. L G A dot